podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, I, I mostly have just been missing you for the past 30 days. So that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. We got to do these more frequently. It's been it's been rough. I, I, as I uh, you know was telling you last week, we were, well, for, for our listeners, last week we were going to do this podcast, but March Madness got in the way. And Denny was definitely not understanding because he doesn't really understand what basketball is. No, and pretty much just screamed and cried for a week, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a week that Denny's been in the in the shower crying. Uh, but we were planning on doing this podcast, and we were planning on doing it with the guy who is also on the end, of the, on, on the line, uh, Rich Rebar, at Lord Reeves. He writes for XN Sports, um, and he is a co-host of the Fake Goods podcast on thefakefootball.com with our buddy Chad Scott. Rich, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot. It's great to uh, finally get this thing going. You know, I wanted, I was all looking forward to it last week, and you told me you had you had basketball stuff to do. I don't know what that was I about, know. but uh, we're here now. I know, man. I'm excited to talk to both of you guys. I know it was rough. It was a, it was a crazy week over in Number Fireland. We were cranking articles like it was it was my job, but it wasn't necessarily other people's <laughs> jobs. But it was it was a good time. We published. You know, we've. We've now. I'm going to do a little humble brag. We've now published 53 articles over over the last 10 days, Ooh. which is pretty sweet. Jeez. So it's been a been a lot of work, but a lot of fun fun stuff. I don't know if anyone that's listening is into the NCAA tournament, but definitely go take a look at our numbers and what we're writing over there because it's a lot of fun. Um, and and it's sweet because everyone has brackets except for Denny. <laughs> that's that's actually true for the. Uh, I think for the second third straight year, I ha- I did not fill out a bracket. I. I tried, you know, I used You're to such have, a hipster. No, I know. I know that is such a hipster thing to say. I, I, <laughs> I used to have anxiety about not filling out brackets. You know, even when I didn't know anything about the games, college basketball, whatever, I used to have anxiety like, like, oh, you know, you know what it was actually, have you ever heard of this, this thing called fear of missing out? It's called, yeah. okay, FOMO. I was yeah. FOMOing. I used to FOMO so hard about the NCAA tournament. And now I, I think I've gotten over the FOMO. Yeah, I that's, also that's, didn't do one. You didn't do one either? No, I basically had a choice uh, to do my one fantasy baseball draft or get invested in a college basketball, and I chose to hang out with my buddies and drink beers and draft fantasy baseball players instead. I mean, I can understand that. I'm a, I'm a huge baseball guy too, so I can definitely understand that. Go Pirates. Anyway, uh, tonight we're going to talk a little free agency. All three of us have done uh, you know, our fair share of work over the past couple weeks uh, regarding – the fantasy impact on of free agents. Um, it was more of a defensive oriented free agency period. So it wasn't nearly as fun as some other free agency periods in the past for uh, fantasy football purposes, but there were still some names out there that switched teams uh, that could have a fantasy football impact in 2014. Uh, and we'll kind of go through the list of guys. We'll talk uh, deep, you know, look closely into uh, some of the guys, you know, that, that are going to make the big impacts like the Eric Deckers of the world. He's not going to make a huge impact, uh, but We'll look at the the Eric Deckers of the world, uh, you know, the Michael Vicks who changed teams, and then we'll also dig into the kind of the smaller guys like uh, like Lance Moore, no pun intended. Oh, um, 
but let's uh let's just kind of start it off let's let's talk about eric decker um so he went from playing with peyton manning uh in denver to going to the jets and at first it was you know everyone was just assuming uh rightfully so that he would be playing with geno smith so when that move first happened there was a huge i mean it was unbelievable the amount of opinions that people had on that situation just because Decker was literally going from the best situation imaginable with Peyton Manning to the absolute worst with Geno Smith. But Rich, I'll start off with you. Um, now that you know, now that Michael Vick is there, we we probably should have started with Michael Vick. But now that Michael Vick is there, uh, what do you see from Eric Decker in 2014? Not not necessarily dynasty speak, but what do you see from Decker in 2014? And do you think that he still holds maybe wide receiver two value? Probably wishful thinking. You're right. This is pretty much the worst case scenario, considering he was free to land in yeah. a few desirable spots. I mean, I would take Washington right now over the Jets. You know, anywhere, yeah. anywhere he could have went. Uh, the only yeah. ray of sunshine is that he still is an elite uh, red zone producer. So I mean, that may carry you a couple weeks, but uh, you might get a little squeeze from him because people may take the Geno Smith Jets news and or the Mike Vick news, which isn't even really that much better for him. And just kind of shove him down into that mid-wide receiver three area. So you still have a chance. The only thing I would say is just caution that the the Jets still can add some, some, uh, make some moves here. You know, maybe they added Deshaun Jackson or a guy in the draft to help Decker out underneath where he doesn't have to constantly draw the Revis and Brent Grimes of the world every week. Um, But it's, this is pretty, pretty much the worst case scenario for his fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. There are some studly corners over in the uh, in the AFC East, so that's just another reason why being a number one receiver for the Jets, along with being the number one receiver for the Jets, I mean, it's just it's just bad news. Denny, do you have any uh, other opinions on the subject? I think you know pretty much. I can sum it up by saying that I headlined my Decker article, uh, uh, Eric Decker, the Jets, and the Infinite Sadness. So I think that yeah, pretty much. And you know, because you know, two weeks before that, I had written uh, a, a thing. Uh, a piece on uh, why does everyone hate hate Eric Decker? <laughs> right. <laughs> so obviously everyone hates him because now he's a Jet, and I'm with I'm with Rich. I mean, any any anywhere would have been better. But you know, I mean, he's going like t- like 26th. I mean, 26th receiver off the board right now. I wouldn't take him there. But I bet you he falls. I mean, and unless something crazy happens this summer, unless they really do add a lot of you know, pass catching depth. I, I, I think that uh, I think that he there could be some equity there if he falls into like the you know the mid thirties. Yeah, the thing that really sucks about Decker is I think anyone that is stat driven knows what Eric Decker's body of work is capable of. I mean, he's a big receiver. He's a red zone threat. I mean, there's potential there for Eric Decker to be a, a good fantasy asset, even maybe as a number one receiver on a team. But one of the things that that I that caught my eye at least uh, when I was looking at some of the net expected points numbers over at Numberfire, and for those who, you know, I'll I'll just run through this quickly because I'll reference NEP a few times in the podcast. But for those who don't know what net expected points is all about, it's basically looking at a game situation, the down and distance, and what's going on in the game, and it, there's an expected point value on every down uh, of that game, every every single instance of that game. So if it's first and ten on the twenty. Uh, the expected points point value on that drive might be something like, say, 1.8. And then if a player contributes positively, maybe he gains 12 yards on first down. Whatever the difference is from the expected point value on that first first down to the, to the next first down is then attributed to that player. 
So that's kind of how, and then, you know, you add all of those individual instances up throughout a game to see how a guy impacts his team throughout the game. So I want to just read something quickly that I put in a, in one of my Decker pieces that was kind of uh, enlightening to the idea that people, you know, people looked at his numbers when he had Tim Tebow and the fact that he scored eight touchdowns and attributed that to the fact that, oh, maybe he can, maybe he can play some football with Geno Smith. And I know that he's not going to be with Geno Smith anymore, but, um, well, reportedly. But I, I kind of dug into his numbers, and, and this is just a little snippet of the article that I'd written. Of the seasons where a wide receiver saw at least 90 targets since the year 2000, there were 626 of them, Eric Decker's 2011 campaign in terms of reception NEP, which is the amount of points added on receptions only, ranked 589th. And while you might think that that's due to the minimum requirement being so close to Eric Decker's target number, because I think Decker had like 96 targets, among the 197 receiver seasons with 90 to 100 targets since the year 2000, Eric Decker's 2011 campaign ranks 109th. So basically, you know, we we look at Eric Decker, we look at his stat line, we say, hey, you were good because you played with Tim Tebow. But really efficiency wise he was dreadful and Demarius Thomas was about twice as good as him from an efficiency perspective uh with the same guys so just throwing that out there with Decker I know that was a mouthful but I wanted to get the NEP stuff out of the way before I reference that later in the uh in the podcast I actually think that that's a really good point on the on the efficiency standpoint because um you know it's hard to kind of calculate how a guy uh, does fantasy wise when when Tim Tebow is throwing him passes, but that that might that might shed some some needed light on on the the situation with Decker. I, you know, like I said, I just don't I don't see his stock going up at all. I just see it falling down, and and that yeah. and that's the only way I'll I'll own him in any leagues this year. Yeah, Rich, you have anything more to say about about Decker? Nah, you guys pretty pretty much nailed it. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna be frustrating to own on on a weekly level too, because he's gonna oh, yeah. have a He's going to have that game where he torches the Raiders, you know, with Geno Smith yeah. or Vic, and he catches two bombs or, or catches a couple red zone touchdowns, and then the next week he's going to hit you with that two for 35 game. It's just, he's going to be a yeah. frustrating equity to own. That's a good point. He'll be one of those high-end wide receiver threes that, at the end of the season cumulatively, but the week-to-week is just going to be a, a headache. Yeah, we hate those guys. Yeah, those are the guys that we absolutely will never draft. Um, so, all right, so we talk about Eric Decker. Let's talk about the guy that might be throwing passes to him next year, and that's Michael Vick. So Vick went from being the backup to Nick Foles uh, with the Eagles, which is crazy to think. Can you imagine saying that last year? Michael Vick was backing up Nick Foles for the majority of the, of the 2013 yeah. season, and, he, and he's now on a new team because Nick Foles was really good. I mean, it was just it's unbelievable. So Michael Vick is now uh, a Jet and he'll be throwing passes to Decker. Denny, do you, how do you see Michael Vick from a fantasy perspective? I mean, he, he started to gain some uh, traction last year mm-hmm. uh, as he started the season with Chip Kelly. Do you see him as an honest, possible plug-and-play QB next year? Well, I, I, th- I think it's significant uh, uh, streaming news. You know, I mean, obviously that's what we focus on in this podcast, um, streaming quarterbacks, tight ends, and, and uh yeah, we give them the recommendations. In, in defenses with all the recommendations. like the Yeah, based that, on opposition matchup. Like, yeah, exactly. All those lyrics. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, and, and I think that the, that the, the Vic signing is, uh, is, is significant in, in a lot of ways. It, mostly, um, you're not going to have to uh, take a risk um, the, because the risk of owning him is, is built in 
to his valuation, you know, like, yeah. you know, the days of him going in the first, second, third, fourth round, they're over forever. And, right. um, and now, I mean, at the moment, he's the 30th quarterback off the, off the board. Okay. So that's, that's going to change. But even with a red hot August last year, I'm sure you guys remember, um, yeah. He only got to to QB seventeen off off of draft boards. It's it's not like he he rose to in, within the top ten. So right. so the, the, he's not he's not going to rise that far. He's going to be probably in the at at you know best case scenario in the low twenties. Um, you know right. twenty twenty one twenty two off the board as far as quarterbacks go. So so I I think that there I I can't pass him up there probably. And and just a, a quick note, and something I mentioned on XN Sports in, in my um, Vic article um, over the four seasons in Philly, and this is uh, boosted obviously by his insane uh, 2010 stats, um, in which he scored basically seven tenths of a fantasy point every time he dropped back <laughs> to pass. So ridiculous. So I mean, it's just, just crazy. But um, over that span, you know, he he averaged 0.57 points per drop back, and um, that's that's elite territory. I mean, that's that's Peyton and Breeze territory. So um, he's not going to do that in the AFC East in that in that you know seemingly tough uh, division uh, secondary wise, and and without you know any kind of weapons outside of Decker and I guess maybe Deshaun Jackson. There's the injury risk. There's a lot of negatives. A lot of things that that could draw you away. But I would I would really implore people to open open your mind to. Uh, uh, to just to, to just you know spending a late round pick on him, it, I don't think it can hurt you that much. Yeah, Rich, how do you feel about it? I agree with Danny. He's a perfect stable guy. You know, if you're going to wait on quarterbacks and you're going to pick up two or three at the very end of the draft, I think he'll stay there too. Like Danny said, because you know he has the jet factor. He has the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, you're just, if you're going to add more Konami code guys to the mix, I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for some some running quarterbacks. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's interesting, when I first researched the Konami code, uh, quarterback scrambling, scrambling uh, attempts and scrambling yards actually you know, decreased after turning 30, kind of like running backs' uh, yards do, yeah. which is pretty interesting. You know, so even if you look at Vic, he's a guy. He's lost about 15 yards rushing per game you know, from his Madden cover days. So, right. But he still, he still gives you that little boost. You know, he's a perfect guy for a stable because you know, he, he can get hooked. He might get hurt. Uh, you, you don't want to be tied into a lot of equity in him, but he's a good guy to own because he, he can boost you for a week. Right. So uh, we, we kind of talked about it with, with Decker, with the weekly consistency piece. Uh, but with Vic, I wanted to see what, what he's done over the last couple seasons uh, from a week-to-week standpoint. So we're looking at QB1s here, top 12 performances. Uh, so he's played 17 games over the last two weeks. He's only had six top 12 f- finishes in 17 weeks, 17 games, which is kind of insane. Like, I mean, if we if we figure, okay, he's gonna play. If he played a full season, it would be sixteen. Six QB one finishes is is really, you know, low high end QB two at best. So uh, that's something to to really think about. But but the the one thing also is that when he does uh, have a have a QB one performance, it's usually a really good QB one performance. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why he is a, the perfect streamer. But people going into the season thinking that he's gonna be anything, uh, just 
considering the depth of quarterback, once again, I mean, we're going to be broken records for the next 15 years with the with the group of quarterbacks that are in the NFL. But right. the, the quarterback position is so deep, it's just not even close to worth it drafting Vic as, as any sort of startable player. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't tell anyone unless you're in like some crazy super deep league, you know, three, three four quarterback league. Uh, then uh, you know you're not four quarterback league. Yes. <laughs> as, 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 even if you're in a 16-team four quarterback league. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's unbelievable. He's a good All best right. ball guy, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he is. He is definitely a good best ball, for sure. Um, all right. Next on our list, we have Rashad Jennings. Rashad, don't call me Rashad Jennings. <laughs> um, God, that's so annoying. So. I uh, I wrote a little bit on on Jennings and actually uh, got it got part of the article quoted on ESPN humble brag which humble was pretty sweet like it yeah super humble brag uh, but you know Jennings Jennings to me I'll just I'll just dive into him really quick and let you guys comment um, I see him more as the, the, actually the perfect signing for the Giants and the reason for that is obviously because he can pass block which they couldn't do and he takes care of the football. And but one thing that that a lot of people don't realize is that so he's played four full seasons and in three of those four seasons he's been a maniac in terms of efficiency he's been unbelievable and the one season that he wasn't was right after a knee injury that he suffered in the preseason uh, so I, I love the signing with Rashad Jennings I think that he has potential to be really good in fantasy but they have a lot of running backs there that could kind of uh, muddle that situation uh, and just to throw this out there because I know that Denny. Uh, loves David Wilson. Um, I looked at every running back that had between one and 50 carries since the year 2000. That's 1,139 of them that one there. Let me, let me rephrase. There were 1,139 running backs since the year 2000 that finished the season between one and 50 carries. David Wilson was one of them. He had 44 last year, no running back since that year, 1,139 running backs was worse net expected points wise last season than David Wilson. So you you're just trying to hurt my feelings then. Is it? Yeah, it's that's how bad he was. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I it's it's noted. It's duly noted that that you were I mean, it, it, it's it's funny on air. It's <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, it's all it's all due to his fumbles and the fact that the de- that defenses were able to be opportunistic on his fumbles because that's his fault in the end whenever they Basically, he was the the Matt Schaub of running backs. Oh. I mean, every time he put the b- ball on the ground, there was they were going the other way with it. it you, but you know, I still see when I close my eyes, I still see him fumbling against the Cowboys. Like, I oh yeah, it, it's burned into my brain. I mean, the the crazy part is, if David Wilson would have had a good twenty thirteen, they wouldn't even own Rashad Jennings right now. Oh, I know, I know. God. So, do you guys have anything to add with Jennings? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting that a lot of people don't realize he's actually going to be 29 tomorrow. So, you know, happy birthday, yeah. Rashad. Um, that's a- <laughs> he has just 484 career touches. That's right. That's 160 fewer than Alfred Morris, the guy that's only Insane. played two years. He's got 250 less touches than Ryan Matthews. He's got less touches than Trent Richardson in his career. Right. And like I said, the, the Giants uh, are a perfect place for him. You know, they just signed a couple offense, offensive guards. They signed Jeff Schwartz and John Jerry from the Dolphins. And he gets to play against the NFC East all season. He also can catch the ball. So I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Right. Yeah, he actually – he was only uh, 22 receptions. And he didn't even play the entire season last year. He was only – I think it was like 22 receptions away from the entire Giants running back committee last year. And he – and Jennings didn't even play the full season because Darren McFadden was starting there. So – uh, that's another thing uh, to look forward to is that he can catch the ball to the backfield. He's going to at least be 
on the field on third downs, I'd imagine, because he can pass block and he can catch the ball to the backfield. So we'll see what, what happens there if, if uh, Denny's boy can stay healthy and get on the field. Right. So, the, I mean, I, I think that, you know, just to summarize, I think the, the question is, will David Wilson be a top 10 running back or a top five running back? That's, <laughs> that's I think, I, I think that that's where this discussion has gone clearly. You're right. I mean, so anyway, I mean, we'll see, you know, it, it's either going to be top 10 or top five. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Stupid. All right. All right. So the next guy on the list, we have Hakeem Nix who uh, was on David Wilson's team and he couldn't stay on the field for most of his giants career. Uh, he has, the legs of a of a father, and he uh, he's now on the Colts. He's going to be joining Andrew Luck and ACL torn Reggie Wayne and T Y Hilton on the Colts. Um, I'll start with Denny here. Denny, do you have any opinions on on Hakeem Nix? Let me just go real quick through his production since since 2010, which is the year he was the seventh <laughs> highest scoring wide receiver in fantasy. So that year he he averaged 19.2 fantasy points per game. Okay. Pretty incredible production. That was pretty nuts, yeah. Yeah. 2011, it dropped to 15.8. You know, I mean, there was going to be some regression. He finished as 12th highest scoring running uh, wide receiver. 2012, that dropped down all the way from 15.8 to 11.7. And then it got somehow worse last season, 9.7 points per game. He wasn't a top 50 wide receiver, so... So you're saying he's going to score like negative four a game next season? I mean, next year? He's, you know, I, I think that, you know, just math tells us that by 2016, he's going to be scoring negative points. I think. Yeah, I think, I think so. That's how regression works. <laughs> it just keeps going, but it uh, just goes, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess that if, if, if there's an injury to, to one of the Colts receivers and, his his legs are suddenly healthy and everything falls into place with Andrew Luck and that that offense continues at that fast paced clip that they that they ended on last year then then he has yeah I mean that he could be a force uh, in some ways but I just don't see I just don't see uh, what what the uh, attraction would be right now. Yeah, Rich, do you have anything more to add there? No, not really. This is the guy that's converted six of his last 42 red zone targets. That's that's Steelerish. Yeah. How did the Steelers not get him? Yeah, I'm surprised. Actually, it would only be fitting that the Steelers would finally get a guy that's over 5'11", and it would be Hakeem Nix, who, who can't score. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. We'll get more. We'll we'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I it's it's crazy. He hasn't scored a touchdown since like December 2nd of 2012. Wow. Or something something along some sometime in December in 2012. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Not only that, I mean, like we all know that he's really talented and I, I looked into his advanced metrics and stuff and he's a, he's a very, very efficient receiver, high volume receiver when he does, uh, stay on the field. Uh, but that's part of the problem is that he can't stay on the field. And then not, not only that, he's going to be, it's going to be a headache, uh, if all three of those receivers are healthy, uh, to see kind of how they distribute passes there. I mean, it's not, I, they, I think they were 12th this past year in pass-to-run ratio, so I know that Pep Hamilton, their offensive coordinator, loves to have a balanced attack, and it wasn't as balanced as he probably would like because he's a moron. But uh, the the fact is that there, there are three capable receivers. They they still will want to run the ball with Trent Richardson for whatever reason, um, and it's just it's not really that worthwhile in fantasy football. Right. They're still going to want to feature Havili. Yeah, of course, Stanley Havili. Right. All day. 
All right. Uh, all right. So Hakeem Nicks, just not really on your radar. Just kind of feel it out as the season goes and see, I think to see what Reggie Wayne's health is like maybe as well. Uh, into the, I mean, he's, he's what, he's going to be 35 or he is 35 and uh, he tore his ACL. So who knows how that kind of rehab is going to go for, for right. Reggie Wayne. Right. Um, all right. Next guy on our list is Matt Schaub, who was one of my uh I, I will say that was one of the guys that I touted earlier last year and that didn't really turn out well. But Schaub is uh heading over to, to Oakland into the black hole and uh joining him is actually James Jones, who I don't think was actually on this list, but we can talk about kind of both of them. Uh Rich, how what are you you're shaking your head no right now on the Google Hangout, but what <laughs> how do you feel about Matt Schaub in Oakland? Not great. I mean, Schaub's a guy who needs all the parts around him to be functional for himself to operate. You know, when the pieces uh, around him are sound, he's, he's good to go. But you saw in Houston, once the O-line started to deteriorate and the, and the play around him started to deteriorate, he, he just, just went down in, in colossal flames, you know. I'll never right. forgive Matt Schaub for making me watch Case Keenum. My least favorite NFL player ever was yeah, Case, Case Keenum. So I, I, can't, I can't forgive him. Uh, but uh, yeah, James Jones is just is just kind of like a Hakeem Nicks area now for me too. You know, I'm glad he, he made his money, but he's going from Aaron Rodgers uh, to Matt Schaub. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing uh, that that you think that Matt Schaub, without one of the best running games in the in the league, and without a six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound wide receiver, that he's just going to be bad all of a sudden. It's just crazy. Absolutely insane, Denny. How do you feel about Shab? I'm assuming the same. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. I, I just, I'm, I'm sad. Of, you know, that probably Terrell Pryor is going to be third string to, you know, yeah. Castle or something, and uh, the whole thing stinks. I think, I think that it could show that they're more. In, I mean, I, I think it's obvious that they're more into Matt McGloin than they are Terrell Pryor at this point. Oh, that's so I weird. Mean, McGloin's so bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence between between the two, to be honest. But I don't think either of them are going to be solid pros to, to begin with. But I think that that, that move of getting shot, because they could have gone after a guy like Vic, who obviously plays a little bit more like Pryor, mm-hmm. uh, to, to mentor him. So that that's kind of what I took out of it. If anything, Shab will be started once next year, and it's going to be against like San Diego when they're at home or something. I mean, it's, it's just not it's not that that uh, desirable. Mm-hmm. All right, next on the list, I'll start with Denny for sure on this one, is uh, Josh McCown. Uh, yeah. He went from being playing with Mark Tressman and two very good wide receivers and one of the best receiving running backs in the league to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Uh, so, Denny, what are you feeling with, uh, with uh, Josh McCown? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I, I think that you, you're going to see the power of Lord Tressman. Okay, not Lord Reeves, but Lord Tressman. And uh, um, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, McCown stayed within Tressman's system last year. He was very Rich Gannon-esque uh, in, in the way he operated in that in, in that offense. Um, he knew that his big body receivers would go up and get it uh, when they needed to, and they did. He had, like you said, J.J. Matt Forte coming out of the backfield, catching passes. Um, uh, he... You know, he, he took off uh, a lot out of the pocket when, when he didn't have anything, and he showed his athleticism, and this is all good for him. I, I have nothing against Josh McCown. In fact, he saved my season in a, in a, in a couple leagues, um, and he was amazing in Daily Fantasy that, that one week yeah. against uh, Dallas. So uh, so I have nothing against him saying that he's not a, he's not a streaming target for me, and, and he won't be pretty much no matter what happens um, in, in the offseason. Um, you know, uh, 2013 was such an outlier for him. 
it, it's it's not like it was a little bit. It was a, a hugely different than his right. previous fantasy production, and and I went through that on X Men Sports a little bit. Um, uh, basically, o- over his career, over his pre Tressman uh, uh, career, he his fantasy points per drop back hovered between point three and point three four. Okay, that's that's not good. That's actually really really low on um, on, on the uh, the the per drop back totem pole. Last year, that jumped all the way to point five six. Okay, so that you know almost almost doubling. Um, right. Uh, in in some in some circumstances, so uh, it it just it won't happen again. And I think that people would be mistaken to say, oh yeah, I I remember McCown. You know, he he lit it up last year in a few games. Um, uh, you know, let's I'm I'm going to roll with him as my late round quarterback. Uh, just be careful with that. Yeah. What's crazy to me is that I don't understand. I mean, I'm not a Bucks fan, and I certainly didn't watch uh, Mike Glennon super super closely and I, I know leo howe one of the number fire writers is a big bucks guy and he hates mike glennon with a passion uh but to me it's like why are you, why why are you replacing josh Mc, why are you replacing mike mike glennon with josh mccown it's like the same person it's like the same production yeah. it's you're gonna get the exact same thing i understand there's no veteran leadership but it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that people are judging josh mccown off of 224 passes <laughs> it's it, it it blow 224 passes with a quarterback whisperer as a head coach two giant wide receivers who are pro bowlers and one of the best running backs in the league like what against what is cowboys. going on against the yeah against the cowboys like what is going on right now yeah. it's absolutely crazy the one game that he played against a decent defense it was against baltimore he only he threw one touchdown and it was a it was a it was a good he played well it was a fine game but he didn't play out of his mind that was the game i think they went into overtime or they were about to go into overtime yeah. or whatever but but that it just it blows my mind i'm 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 speechless of of this decision to just start josh mccown in tampa bay this is probably one of my most hated i love josh mccown actually because he uh i, I don't hate him for doing this deal because he's making money and he has a, a really nice looking family and he looks like a great guy but he's not that good at football yeah i know listen solid head of hair on josh mccown that's what i'll say solid head yeah oh for sure without a doubt i love his hair how about he Mike looks Klein? like what's it how's his head hair looking <laughs> yeah right. wait who Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. Oh, 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 well, not no. Oh, God. Yeah, McCown. Hey, listen, McCown can give some tutelage on the on the hair situation there. Is that maybe that's why they they signed Josh McCown? Oh, it's to, all coming to be, together now. To be a hair specialist makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Goes a long way. All right, so you know he's not he he's not gonna. Not only that, but the outside of Atlanta, you know, New Orleans and and Carolina could be tough uh, against them next year. Even though Carolina doesn't have any semblance of a team anymore, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, next, we have uh, Toby Gerhardt, who is going from backing up Adrian Peterson to uh, a situation in Jacksonville that is is never good for anyone. Uh, so Rich, do you want to talk about your thoughts on, on Toby Gerhardt? Sure. Uh, you know, at first I was kind of most, mostly like the regular public and just kind of pushed the signing to the side. It was Toby Gerhardt, it was the Jaguars. Uh, then I backtracked, you know, kind of dug into a little bit and I realized that, that Toby Gerhardt can play a, a little bit. Uh, if you, little bit. Yeah, if you ignore the high yards per carry, you know, the peripheral stats that he had largely like a mop up and spot up duty, you know, but when Peterson right. missed time, like actually missed games and he played, 
he averaged 13 standard points per game and 16 PPR points per game in games where he was the lead back, you know, and that, that was in Minnesota. It's not like that was filled with oodles of talent there, you know. Now he landed in a situation that will be rewarded by volume, but not the kind of volume you really love. You know, the Jags' line is pretty subpar. They won't be salting away, you know, many leads uh, yeah, in the AFC right. South. So he's the type of guy that's going to get discounted probably in general because the goofy white running back stigma, uh, the perception of the Jags. Um, but he, he might luck into uh, some, some production there. You know, he'll be 27 in three days. So, you know, happy birthday, Toby. <laughs> Rich uh, is all about the birthday wishes on this podcast. But, you know, I look back into back into his, uh, you know, his college prospects coming out because, you know, I've been heavily invested in the draft there and the, the dynasty angle for fake football. And I looked at him coming out, and he actually has a, a really insane speed score. You know, speed score is invented by a guy named Bill Barnwell. He writes for Grantland now. But really, it's just, you know, adjusted 40 for how big you are. You know, Toby Garrett's a big guy. He's 230 pounds. And basically, his speed score is like the equivalent to like a, of a guy like Job at best, you know, to, to take a small guy and like right, parallel. Right. So, I mean, he, he's got some, some athletic ability. It's just, uh, you know, unfortunate that that volume is going to come in Jacksonville. Right. Yeah, not only he's not going to get much push from their offensive line, which is terrible, and then the the literally he's going to be a volume play. And what I fear is that it's going to be what we saw from Chris Ivory this past year, where it was some games when when the Jets were in it, he was getting carries, and he saw I think you know he had like twenty nine carries in one in one game. Uh, but whereas the Jets usually were were struggling, and they had to go to more of a a third down back like a Bill Lil Powell, and then they mixed other guys in and and and. As a result, Ivory didn't really see the volume. Uh, Denny, do you have any thoughts on on Gerhardt? Uh, I I think he's a. I mean, I, re- I agree with everything Rich Rich said, and and I I think that there's more more to it than than it than it seemed at first. I think he's a prime candidate for uh, a July and August ADP spike, which would kind of you know get me off that Gerhardt bandwagon if there is such a thing. Um, I, you know, I, I think if he stays, if he stays relatively low, um, then, uh, then, then I think, you know, he'll be on a lot of my teams, but, uh, you know, he, if, if they say, you know, he's, I think they said 18 touches. Is that what the Jaguars said today? Yeah. But like, th- it's amazing how people report those things when they don't realize what that actually means. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like, do they not realize how many carries that means over an, enti- an entire season? And they, it, the same thing it happens to almost every running back that, that teams want to feature, but it rarely happens that way. Yeah, yeah, and, but it's it's that kind of news that right, that right, pushes a that'll guy push it. ADP. Yeah. So that I think that stuff will continue to sort of trickle out of Jacksonville over the next few months, and um, just be wary of it. I heard that Jacksonville leaked a report that said they're going to give him the ball till he pukes. Oh, oh yeah, really? Oh, how dare you? Man, that is the nerdiest joke ever. Because because we all because we all know we all know what it means. Yeah, we're it's we're talking about one one blurb from from August. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible that we just instantly uh, we're like, oh yeah, CJ Spiller. Oh, CJ Spiller puking. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man. All right. So Gerhardt, are we would would we say like uh, flex right now? Yeah, no, probably. I don't even... Probably low RB two. The thing is, the thing is with us though too is that like. A flex to us who are stacking running backs and wide receivers early on in our draft is not necessarily the same as a flex for another another team, right? Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Maybe. he's he's probably a guy like like Denny said. Someone's probably going to always value him a little higher than than I do, so I probably won't own really any shares of him. 
Yeah, that's how I feel too. All right, let's uh, let's jump to the next guy. I think Rich, Rich and I both wrote a piece on Ben Tate. Um, the 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 biggest thing for me with Ben Tate going to Cleveland was uh, obviously he can, from from my perspective, he can run really well. Uh, that's that's not really arguable. Obviously, he has health issues, which is the biggest thing. He's a walking hospital. Um, and that, but the one thing that's been, that's crazy that people don't really realize is that he can't really catch, I mean, he can catch the ball to the backfield, but he's not effective catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, one of the things that from a reception NEP standpoint, uh, the, at the league average last year on a per target basis was 0.27. The high end just for reference is more like a 0.5 from a, from a good pass catching running back. Uh, Ben Tate over his career is at a 0.07 reception NEP, which is, really really bad that's like bottom in the league so his efficiency is really off which is a little bit scary and they have Dion Lewis and Chris Obanaya there that can catch the ball to the backfield that could steal some of those looks um so I'm a little bit wary on that but he's he's solid I think that he has RB2 potential for sure uh in Cleveland uh Rich what do you what do you have to say about Ben Tate yeah, the, those catches are a little worrisome. If you look at his yards per catch, it was basically like four and a half yards. And if you even look yes, back into college, it was even it was the same. Like he caught a bunch of balls and only averaged six yards catch in college. So that's Jeez. something that's kind of followed him everywhere. I do think that he probably it's likely he does lose passing downs, but he's going to be on the field enough, I think, where he's going to walk into you know twenty five grabs, kind of like he did last year. Uh, they're not yeah. really going to go for anything, but he's going to he's going to get them just by default being on the field. When I looked right. up. When I looked into Kyle Shanahan's, you know, running back one usage, I was actually pleasantly surprised to find that when he has a guy that's healthy, which we said is debatable with Ben Tate, he actually rides him. You know, he, he gives the, that guy the ball for the carry. We've seen it with Alfred Morris. We saw it with Steve Slayton the, the year he was healthy. You know, and then he's just kind of run into some RB committees that were just injury-induced. Injury so, you know, Ben Tate's basically going to walk into a bunch of carries if he can stay healthy. So, I mean, right. running back two production on that team ex- exists. You know, we, they're, they're another team that probably won't be grinding away a lot of leads, so you might lose some of that, especially if he loses the catch volume. You know, that's a guy that you don't really want to be depending on that, that can lose game flow, you know, his his shine. So definitely, uh, I think he's going to be an RB two. But yeah, another guy that's probably people value higher than I do when it comes to the draft time. Right. The the one thing that's that's fortunate is, it, from my perspective, is if you can draft him as your third running back, you're in a perfect situation. Because I bet you, my my bet is that he'll have maybe a fourth round ADP uh, going into next season. Uh, and if you can, if you avoid going Jimmy Graham in the beginning of the draft, and you don't get a quarterback, and you maybe get a stud wide out, and then you go three running backs, he would be an ideal third running back because there is risk involved with his health uh so and, and you don't and there's ambiguity because he's on a new team as well but uh i, I definitely agree I, I like his uh his running ability for sure uh denny do you have anything to add with ben tate um just from a doctor's perspective um, <laughs> i would say that if he can keep his broken ribs to under five this year yeah that's a good idea <laughs> it would be ideal but yeah i agree with i agree with everything you guys said and and I, I'd say um, that you know he better be on the on, you know the positive side of things since I just um, traded him in a in a dynasty league with a bunch of uh, fantasy writer types. So nice. Let's go, Ben. Hmm? <laughs> All right, uh, next guy on the list. We have two more, and then we'll get into more of like a rapid fire session. Uh, next one is Golden Tate, who went from Seattle, who really he really didn't produce much in Seattle, but. Uh, he was on a, a run first team or a run heavy team, I should say. 
uh, in Seattle. Now he's going to a pass-heavy team in Detroit, and he's going to be opposite of Calvin Johnson, which no one really has been yet uh, throughout Megatron's career other than uh, Denny's boy, Nate Burleson. I know how much you love Nate Burleson, Denny. God, I'm so mad about it. I'm just so bitter. <laughs> uh, so Golden Tate is now in Detroit catching passes from Fratty Stafford. Uh, re- Rich, what do you? Uh, what's your take on Golden Tate? Yeah, I wrote a pretty lengthy article on Golden Tate. I think it was one of the first free agent pieces I did. It's pretty interesting when you have a guy that's efficient with low volume, you always worry if that efficiency is going to you know, translate when he gets the volume. Uh, he, he's coming from Seattle, who threw the second fewest passes in, since he's been in the NFL that Seattle has. Now he's going to the team that's from the most in Detroit. So even if he's not as efficient, that volume is going to cover up the inefficiency that's going to exist. He's a pretty interesting right. player because – Only three players have improved fantasy-wise over the last three years. Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, who obviously have Peyton Manning, and Golden Tate, and that's the end of the list. Uh, You know, he's taken small steps to get there, obviously. You know, know, he's jumping from 50 points to 100 points to 125 points. But he's running into a lot of volume. He's going to see favorable coverage. Again, this is another guy that we've talked about. This is going to be a guy, a guy I feel like at the end of the season is going to look better than the sum of his parts. He's going to be a guy that has monster weeks and then weeks where you're going to play him as your wide receiver three and he's not going to get anything because Calvin Johnson is eating and Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush are just running rampant in space. I feel like he's going to have a lot of uneven production for his draft price. I feel like he's going to be drafted as a low wide receiver too. But I feel yeah. like he's better suited for a wide receiver three in your in your lineup, and you know even that's going to be spotty uh, for, yeah. for Golden Tate. So again, I hate to say it, but it's just this is what free agency does the guys. It, they they become news, they inflate their value, and they push their value kind of into area where I'm not comfortable taking them. It just it happens right. every year, right? Especially a wide receiver too, because wide receivers don't translate in free agency usually when they when they do switch teams. So it's it that can be. A little bit risky in and of itself. Uh, Denny, do you have anything more to add with Golden Tater? Do you kind of agree with Rich? I I agree that the just being in the news is is enough to inf- artificially inflate his, his value at the moment. Uh, I will say that uh, I I, I sort of I wondered about um, how they recruited Golden Tate, and you know, because I think we all heard the stories about how Reggie Bush was swayed to go to Detroit after they showed him the t- the type of coverage he would face. With right. uh, with teams like quadrupling uh, Calvin Johnson up top, right? And right. so you know, if they just showed the kind of coverage that was on Chris Durham last year, it was basically like, you know, they, <laughs> they put they put like the ball boy over there. On. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so you know, I, I um, I I really like his prospects in 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 that offense if they they continue to throw it at at an absurd pace and <clears throat> if the the coverage. Uh, uh, stays ridiculous on Calvin's side. Yeah, I agree with you guys completely uh, on all accounts. Um, all right, the last last guy we'll talk about. We'll we'll skip the Deshaun Jackson talk just because that hasn't really happened yet, and we don't really have hot takes on it. But uh, <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, my my boy. Actually, he's not even close to my boy. I can't stand this guy, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he's going from my Steelers to the Broncos, replacing Eric Decker essentially in the Broncos' offense. Um, I guess I'll. Or Denny, do you do you have any thoughts on Emmanuel Sanders in Denver? Well, I'll start with you. I'm actually looking up uh, Rich's article that he wrote on XN Sports. Um, Rich, why, why don't you get into it real quick, and I'll chime in in a second. All right. Yeah. Um, if you look at Emmanuel Sanders, there's two schools thoughts. There's the redraft thought where he's going to be basically Decker's replacement this year. And he's really not a, a Decker replacement at all. No, if you look at, he's not. 
at. If you look at uh, Sorry, a big I didn't misnomer, mean, I didn't I didn't mean to be a dick there. <laughs> so uh, listen, you, you're educated on this. One of the biggest misnomers about Emmanuel Sanders is that he's this big splash play receiver that he can get vertical <laughs> and make plays. He breaks tackles Ooh. and he he can force missed tackles, but he's only he's only caught you know 15 passes in his career on targets over 20 yards. Only one has been for a touchdown. Uh, he's not a red zone player like Decker was. I mean, schematically, Denver will create opportunities for him to, to score touchdowns. We, we know that. But I think he, if you look at the dynasty perspective, he's really a replacement for Wes Welker, whose contract ends at the end of this year. He'll be 35. Uh, he's, he's built to play in the slot anyways, Manuel Sanders. So I think it's a, a short-term plug for Eric Decker leaving and a long-term answer for, you know, the slot guy. So I think that redraft, he'll definitely be overdrafted. Oh, uh, just yeah. because of the, Den- the Denver stigma and people not anticipating, uh, you know, the, the natural regression from Denver and the fact that they play the NFC West and, and everything this year. They're not going to chase any touchdown records. Um, right. They think that he's just going to score 12 touchdowns. It isn't going to happen. I think that you're probably looking at like a, like a 70, 906 line, something in that area for him. Yeah. Uh, but he's probably going to be drafted as a low wide receiver, two high wide receiver three, which is going to be pretty crazy for a guy of his talent. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely insane. The, the One of the main reasons that he breaks so many tackles is because the Steelers throw bubble screens every other play. I mean, he's catching the ball a yard away from the line of scrimmage, and he's able to break tackles because guys aren't, aren't, are getting half an arm on him. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible that people are this excited about Emmanuel Sanders after watching him for a few years in Pittsburgh. He, uh, he, the one thing, too, like you, like you mentioned, Rich, is the fact that that Denver is not like pe- people are taking Eric Decker's stat line from last year and then basically making that a little bit worse because er- Emmanuel Sanders is a little bit worse than Eric Decker, but it do- doesn't work like that because Eric Decker's production next year, if he were to stay in Denver would not be what it would be this year. And therefore Emmanuel Sanders production next year is not going to be close to what Denver did this year. So the, and the, the, the other thing, I'm just going to go out. I cannot stand Emmanuel Sanders. He, he was easily, he was easily my least favorite sealer over the last couple of years. Uh, but the other thing with Emmanuel Sanders is he hasn't missed a game over the last couple of seasons, but I think he's played 32 straight. Uh, but he's had a nagging foot injury that's, that's kind of kept him on and off the field throughout games. So that's another thing to really keep an eye out on uh, because it, he's, he doesn't stay healthy. He's a small receiver. Eric Decker has four inches and 40 pounds on the man. I mean, there, there's not a chance in hell that Emmanuel Sanders scores double-digit touchdowns. I, I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to say that. Uh-oh. There's not a chance There's not a chance in hell Emmanuel Sanders scores double-digit touchdowns next year. It's just it, it's not going to happen. I, don't, I think Julius Thomas is going to see an increase in touchdown production. Demarius might see an extra one or two. Uh, and, and obviously I think Wes Walker is probably going to regress a bit, but there's, there's just no way that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be effective that as effective as people think in Denver. He's, he's at best a wide receiver, maybe, maybe a high end wide receiver three, but he's definitely a more wide receiver three. Well, I, I'm going to take that clip and save it and I'm going to tweet it out <laughs> on October 1st when Emmanuel Sanders goes into week, week five of the season just, with, uh, with six touchdowns. It just, it blows my mind. And, and the thing that's crazy is that New England last year, when they were when they were going after Sanders and whatnot, and then they they were now attached to his name this year. But which I don't really think they had true interest because what did Emmanuel Sanders show you this year that made people get excited about him in free agency? I mean, he he was not that good this year. It, it's it blows me away. I think he had a decent reception total, but again, it's because the Steelers throw one yard bubble screens to the right side of the field. 
and he's able to break tackles that way. He's not a, he's not nearly Eric Decker's more of a deep threat than Emmanuel Sanders is. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. It's absolute. Yeah craziness you bring up you bring up a good point too about the Patriots scenario that should be the lesson to us all all summer last summer everyone was taking every Patriots player and just plugging in ex-Patriots players production for them and everyone got burned that chased Kimbrell Tompkins Zach Sudfeld anyone else that that they chased Danny Amendola and it turned out that Julian Edelman was the guy but that's what happens you play a dangerous game and you just take stats that existed for another player that's not even a similar Manuel Sanders and Eric Decker are the fir- two farthest players style-wise yeah. and size-wise that, that could possibly exist yeah and, and plugging stats in for a player you know that's a that's a that's a slippery slope that you get on and you can really get burned because the ADP gets out of control like we saw with those guys in the Patriots last year I mean like I said that's all the Sudfeld owners oh yeah exactly it, it, like I understand I understand the, the Emmanuel Sanders move from, from Denver's perspective because they they don't have a wide receiver to, to fill in for, for Eric Decker. And Emmanuel Sanders can move around the field. He can play any position at wide receiver. So that I totally get why they signed him. But from a fantasy perspective, that doesn't mean that he's good. It's just a better fo- real football move than a fake football move. I'm going to have trouble saying no to a Peyton wide receiver if, if he's available on the cheap. Maybe he won't be. But just just to just to be contrarian here for a second, God, you uh, suck. I'm I'm sorry. I I just I can't You're help it. I mean, the the Peyton bump is real, man. No, I I I, I totally get it. The fact is though, like I would see Emmanuel Sanders if he didn't have Peyton Manning as a wide receiver for. No one is yeah. dead. Is that, I yeah right yeah. I mean I, I think that, but I think that the, the fact is I think people are going to see him as a low end wide receiver too entering yeah. the season. Yeah, and and if that's the case, you know, then then no well, but uh I just oh man, I don't know. I I I have a I have a tough time like uh just saying no to <laughs> to Peyton so pass catches. So you're going to own Emmanuel Sanders and make me cry. Pretty much in every league, yeah, sorry. Nice. <laughs> Nice. I have you're third. not the lovely. You're not the loveliest co-host anymore. Damn it. Uh, all right. So those are the ten guys. Uh, that that was fun. That was good. Let's uh let's go into a uh, a new part of the podcast. We'll call it rapid fire because we're really creative. Um, it's kind of uh similar to what what our buddy Sigmund Bloom does on 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 the couch on his podcast. But I'm gonna name a free agent that just signed with a new team, and you're gonna give me three to five words to describe that player. And we'll just go quickly. I'm going to get really angry at one of these guys, so just be prepared. But uh, I'll kind of go down the list. These are kind of the lesser-known guys that don't really matter, uh, but they're fun to talk about. So the first guy is Matt Castle. Denny, what do you have to say about Matt Castle? Actually looks decent in purple. Wow. Okay. Rich? Under Denny's mistletoe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. I just said he, I wasn't very creative with this one. I just said a good weekly streamer. Because he's, he's, he has potential there. Sure. Yeah. Um, next guy, Darren McFadden. Rich. Missed three games every year. Denny. Calf, foot, ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, where's the hospital? There you go. <laughs> Uh, Donald Brown. I said, why, Donald, why? (laughs) (laughs) 
Rich. I know Rich has a weird opinion on Donald Brown, actually. Yeah. So you can talk about it if you want to. Not that bleak. Uh, do, do you want me to get into? I can. I could try to be quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be as quick. I, I, I shouldn't have said weird. I think I thought it was a very good analysis. It was just different from what's out there. Yeah, I mean, obviously he could have signed in a place like Tennessee or Cleveland and, and ran into some volume that would have made us all exciting. But I don't think it's that bleak. Uh, for redraft or dynasty purposes, if you look at where people do handcuffing, where handcuffing goes go, goes wrong is they do it in the early rounds. Guys like Ben Tate, Bernard Pierce, guys that are single-digit rounds. Uh, the guys that hit and end up end up being effective are guys that are taking a double-digit rounds. Guys like Fred Jackson and, and Joy Bell, Rashad Jennings. That's where Donald Brown's going to be, and he's a double handcuff. He's he's versatile enough to be the backup to Ryan Matthews and be the backup to Danny Woodhead, which makes it a really smart signing for San Diego because he's he can play both roles both. Yeah. yeah so he's kind of that double handcuff that can fall into any role um and then long term both those guys would have matthews are only under contract through this season so it's protection for if either one of those guys isn't retained he can run into volume again he's a guy that actually has 350 fewer touches than ryan matthews uh so right. i don't know i just not that bleak obviously it could have been better but i still feel like i'm going to take a few shots on him running into something at the end of a draft yeah maybe an mfl 10 if he's if he's there super late, that would be a, a good grab. Denny, did you give your 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 words to Donald Brown? I didn't, and here they are. Okay. Damn it, Donald. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of pissed that I didn't think of that one. Actually, wait, wait, wait. how did it go when? I mean, Peyton, damn it, Donald. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was it that you know the, the little little twang Peyton has. If it, yeah. If it, what? I, my my Peyton Manning impression wasn't good. It, it was it was pretty good. I mean, <laughs> it was a little high pitched. Uh, uh, Damn it, Donald! <laughs> yeah. But if you if you don't know what we're talking about, just just Google like Donald Brown, Peyton Manning, and then you'll find a YouTube video of it's, it's of, of Donald Brown making a wait, was it a pass blocking mistake? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah. I think Manning got sacked and he got back up and he started yelling oh, at yeah, Donald it was, Brown. It was really it was, it was no, it was during the play. I mean, it was during the. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, and, you're and right. heard Peyton Manning say, "Damn it, Donald!" Because he ran the. I think he like ran the wrong pass route or something. And and you know why he heard that is because the the fans in Indianapolis basically shut their mouths when, <laughs> yeah. when they the ball. Oh, it's so good. All right, next guy on the list is. Ahmad Bradshaw, Rich. Darren McFadden, Arbitrage. Nice. Denny. Blurg. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I said, where's the hospital again? <laughs> uh, Jeremy Macklin. I said, uh, potential big year. Rich. Should have went to Denver. Yeah, that's a good one. Denny. Please leave Deshaun. <laughs> uh, Anquan Bolden, Denny, do you want to go again? Oh, Denny's, Denny's thinking on the spot. Uh, yeah, Rich, no, I, I, Rich, I, you have one for your boy Anquan. Uh, he's NFL version of Predator. Nice. I said he's an ageless, ageless wonder. Yeah, I'll go with that. <clears throat> All right, cool, nice. Steve Smith, uh, Rich, supposedly plays harder than anyone in the game. I'm gonna I'm gonna say just the word sorry. <laughs> He's going to Baltimore. I want to Denny. I want to say uh, a complimentary dude. Nice. Uh, we have three more. Jericho Cotri. He's going to Carolina. Rich. Steelers made him rich one more time. Denny. 
180 targets. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of close to mine. I said not 10 touchdowns. Okay. Um, Lance Moore. Oh, Lance Moore. I said typical Steeler signing. Can't really disagree there. God, why do they do that? I'm so. Why are you guys are sitting in silence just so that I start yelling? Wait, wait, who, do you want me to go or Rich? Yeah, no, go ahead, Daddy. Oh. Uh, Lollipop Guild. <laughs> Rich, do you have anything for Lance? I just our, he, get Heath Miller. Nice, yeah. That's a good. That's definitely a good one. Heath Miller is about to blow up next year, just from process of elimination. And no one else can uh, score in the red zone. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Garrett Graham. I said next Aaron Hernandez, without the murder. Jeez. <laughs> Little do you guys know, Garrett Graham is really, really a bad guy. Denny. What is Ryan Griffin? <laughs> Rich. Uh, post-hype streamer. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a good one. All right, we'll end on that. That was fun, guys. Yeah, we call that rapid fire. I, I might, <laughs> I might make that like, I might make that like echo or something tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna record it tomorrow morning while I'm working, and it's just rapid fire. Rapid fire. fire, fire. Yeah, yeah. Rapid fire. And then right afterwards, I'm just gonna throw in the Davis Matic drop. Davis Matic. Oh man. Anyway. All right, well, let's uh, let's get to some ranting. I don't know, Rich, I don't know if you want to rant or not. You're more than welcome to rant if you would like to because it's it's nice to get, get some stuff off your chest and and just let people know how you feel because it's, it's, you're, you're free to have feelings about anything. No, you, you can most definitely rant. So if you want to rant, you can think about it while we rant first if, that, if that's the case or if you're prepared, you can just go. But, uh, Denny, do you want to rant first tonight? Sure. Uh it's uh, in regard to an exchange I had with a few with a few people on on, on the Twitters um, this evening. Um, uh, it was about something that I I kind of thought um, you know people in, in degenerate fantasy circles knew knew about me, which was that um, without you know without fantasy football, I I, I probably would not be um, so into the NFL. Like not maybe not at all. Um, I mean, I've I've watched since I was a little kid, and and I've I've watched for different reasons. I used to, as as you know, as loyal listeners of, of this podcast know, I used to live and die with every Dolphins play in the '90s and early and mid 2000s, which was a really horrific time to be a Dolphins fan. Um, uh, so so it's not like I I never really loved football, but I kind of grew out of that, and that's why I gravitated toward fantasy football, and that's why I put all of my energy into into fantasy football rather than um, rather than other sports because I'd rather be totally dedicated to that than um, than, than other fantasy you know sports but uh, basically the the conversation on Twitter was about how can you um, not like an institution but know so much about it study it research it spend so much time writing about it talking about it and analyzing it and it's true i i would not deny that it's um uh you know it's hypocritical uh for me to say i i don't i don't like the nfl much at all i don't like the way it operates i don't like that it's a non-profit uh i don't like a lot of its players i don't like a lot of its owners 
it, its policies stink. Um, but I I love fantasy football. I love the numbers game. I love I love trying to perfect it. I you know chasing the un the the uncatchable as we all do. And uh, uh, so if that makes me a hypocrite, I guess I guess I guess I am. And the the game is uh, the game has me. Uh, has me by the throat and I can't do anything about it. But um, I just, you know, I, I'm a little, I'm just a little surprised that people don't know that I'm not this this lover of the game. You know, like, um, like you know, Ricky Williams once said, uh, he said, I, I love, I love playing football. I hate playing it as a profession. And I feel, you know, somewhat similar. Although my playing career was short. I, I would say that uh, I I love fantasy football and I I don't particularly love the, uh, the 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 sport or the NFL itself. So I just want to make that clear for everybody. And if you if you hate me for it, I'll uh, I'll cry in the shower a bit, but I'll be <laughs> I'll get over it eventually. No, I mean you you make up a you make some really good points there, and I think the one thing just to kind of add on to to what you're saying is, you know. With fantasy football, you know, you say, like, you know, you like how it's a numbers game and that kind of thing. And people might be sitting there saying, well, why don't you get into baseball or why don't you get into basketball? Well, I think that's one of the the awesome parts about fantasy football is that it really hasn't hit the analytical market as much as the other sports have because it's very, very difficult to put numbers to these game situations and these and these teams because it's there's so many so many different things going on on the field at one and, and during one play. So that's part of the reason why it's so intriguing and why all three of us love it uh, is is that fact and that you can really analyze it a lot deeper than some of the other sports. Right. I mean, the game is amazing in its complexity, and right. and I ad- admire anyone who 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 can understand it in in a way that I that I don't. Um, uh, but um, you know, as far as I you know, I don't root for a team. I don't, I don't care who wins and loses. I, I mean, I, you know, I've been upfront about this. I, I, I don't want to be, uh, I, you know, I, I never wanted to be dishonest with, you know, people who read my columns and listen to this podcast. Um, I don't, I don't really care about the NFL. I care deeply about fantasy football, and I, and I, I just, I hope that's, I hope that's enough for you. Yeah. Well, I think that all people should care about is that you do good work. Oh, thanks, man. Just saying. Um, all right, Rich, do you want to do you want to rant real quick? Yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. Denny's was really good. I mean, I I think that me and JJ can attest as being fans of a team, we're we're pretty envious of that sometimes not being. Yeah. Fan. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I it's wish, the worst. You know, I wish sometimes I could I could turn it off myself. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that was really good. I I was gonna go ahead and rant on mid round quarterbacks uh, and play up to you guys, but I kind of want to rant on on one of the most trying events uh, that an adult can have. And that is uh, one-stop family grocery shopping. Oh God. <laughs> yes, it's you know at some point you know me and my wife we got old we got busier with the kids constantly running around you know going to practices so we're forced to to bulk shop for groceries it's miserable it's the worst thing you could ever do in your life. <laughs> the aisles are pretty much like a post-apocalyptic highway you know with carts just <laughs> everywhere. Uh, it's like a gladiator arena inside where everyone just hates their existence and is out for blood. You see old ladies in those electronic carts with their canes sticking out, you know, in the front. They're trying to clip other carts like it's the Ben-Hur chariot scene. Oh, uh, it's just <laughs> madness. And then, so we have two kids. So we have to take them with us because, you know, 
everyone's got to be part of the experience is what makes one stop family grocery shopping we want to make it easy on ourselves right <laughs> so, so i'm basically i'm forced to cover ground in the store like i'm the grocery version of earl thomas like i'm just <laughs> grabbing stuff uh, i'm just making sure my nine-year-old isn't trying to throw like chocolate covered frozen cake on a stick into a car while i'm trying to make sure my one-year-old doesn't throw the ipad across the floor because their attention can't be held for longer than five seconds um then when you finally get everything and you're ready to check out, you only get two options for a cashier. You get a 65-year-old woman who won't retire because she'll be forced to spend her days with a husband she's probably grown to hate. Uh, oh, she rings up one item per minute. They ask you a million questions about everything you bought. Or your other option is you get a 17-year-old kid who has to call a manager to ring up the six-pack you bought just, just for you to cope with this whole miserable experience when you get home. <laughs> Oh, then you have to man. haul all this into your vehicle, into your house, and put it away. It should be a, an Olympic event, and they should give every, you know, husband and wife a, a gold medal, you know, because I just want to sleep for a month after it's done. It's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. slow clap, slow clap. Yeah, that was very well done. Very, very well done. That has to suck. I'm glad that I don't have a family yet. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, anyway, all right, so my rant, uh, hopefully it's a little bit quick, but it probably won't be because it's always difficult for me to do. Um, so I love the, the work that a lot of the draft folks do uh, you know, leading up to the draft, and this is already controversial just by that sentence. Uh, because I, I like it because those guys know more about prospects than I do, and they do a lot of the dirty work that I, I don't do, that I can't do. Um, especially the people who can actually watch film correctly and kind of get angles on things that I would not see. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about the guys that are really respected by their, and know their trade here, just, just to be clear. Uh, but the one thing that I really can't stand that's just pissing me off beyond belief, especially with free agency, is when a team signs a player and someone tweets out, why did they sign player Y? They could have just gotten player X in the draft. So I just want to be clear and just rant really quick to say that it doesn't really work that way for a lot of reasons. I mean, the team that it's not as if the team is going to view the player identically to the way that you're viewing that player. And not only that, but you should never be sure that a player is going to be available in the draft whenever, uh, it, you know, just, just automatically. Um, and then, ob and then obviously like you can't be sure that player X and player Y are the same person. Uh, it, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous to me sometimes that, Folks on Twitter and folks, they can have their opinions, but I think that they uh, are ignorant to the fact that the front office folks, sure, they're idiotic at times, but you know, it's not like the people that are out there sitting in their basements are are better at you know finding prospects than these people who do it full time and have done it for 30 years. So I know that there's a lot of people that are bad at it in the NFL, not necessarily bloggers and whatnot, and there are bloggers who are great at it, uh, but I think that. It, it, it needs to stop the whole there's an arrogance to uh saying why are they getting player x when they can just draft player y i mean it's it's just incredible that that you would think that highly of your own work i guess i mean it's good to have confidence but let's just let's kind of slow down a bit there so that's what i wanted to rant about because it's draft time on twitter and it's always a rough time it is so rough i'll be honest yeah it's rough i can't believe the Steelers signed lance Moore and they could have drafted brandon cooks Yes. Oh. <laughs> there there you go exactly although you know, i have been ranting about lance Moore a lot and everyone's it, it, it's more about the excitement i know that the steelers didn't really have much else to do i would have rather gotten like jason avant or something just someone who's like bigger 
and get like just anyone anyone with like the anyone that's ever to utter those words yeah i know i know but he honestly it's like it's like why i would what is lance Moore doing for you what does he do for you He's he's a he's he's like eight inches shorter than Ben Roth. Ben Roethlisberger is gonna be throwing at the ground when he's throwing at Lance Moore. But uh, one thing uh, the the Steelers instituted that new rule where you can't dunk on the goalpost. That does that, that didn't affect any Steelers players. No, that did it. not. That did not because the only the only one that it would affect is Heath Miller, and you know he doesn't jump. Oh, <laughs> that'd be so funny. I would love to see Heath Miller try to jump and dunk uh, it. No it's way. It's kind of amazing. Although I will say it's a, Heath Miller's career has been really underrated. He's been. He's just kind of been there. I, I think he's gonna blow up next year after his his ACL tear from the from two years ago. Listen, uh, Bruce Arians two weeks called two weeks ago called Heath Miller the best tight end in the NFL. What did he really? Because because of his blocking ability. What what kind of hat was he wearing when he said that? <laughs> A tin foil, no doubt. <laughs> oh, unbelievable! Dynamite. Anyway. All right, well, we've, we're, we're well over an hour here. So, uh, Rich, why don't you plug yourself, tell everyone where they can find you and whatnot. Yeah, I'm uh, approaching my one-year anniversary at XN. Danny, Danny was the one who found me and brought me in, so I'm appreciative of that. Uh, I'm currently at the Fake Football doing some work on the Dynasty side of things and uh, have a podcast going with Chad Scott, who I believe got his, you know, was involved with you at late round QB when that was yes. going around. Yeah, he was. That was going on. Fantastic guy. We're doing the show uh we record on Thursday nights, usually live on Fridays. You know, go ahead and check that out. You know, subscribe to us. You know, check us out if you like the little Dynasty content. We're covering everything. We've had some great guests. A lot of good support from a lot of good friends we've made in the community. So definitely check us out. I'm also working at Roto Academy uh, with Jonathan Bales and some other people that are much smarter than me uh, doing stuff. So uh, definitely go and check that out. It's only 3 bucks a month. You know, you get stuff from, you know, Jonathan Bales, John Moore, you know, Chris Raybon, some other great, great minds in the game. I believe Denny actually will have something coming up in the next issue as well. So definitely get over there and check that out. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Lord Reeves. I'm always around, and I'm, I'm usually putting an article up somewhere. Yeah. It's great to have you on. Appreciate you coming on. You're always welcome on, on Living the Stream. Always. Our favorite guest. Denny, where can everyone find you? Uh, on Twitter at cdcarter13. Uh, I write for XN Sports, four for four dot com, and uh, and the fake football. I, I also um, I like like Rich mentioned. Um, I'll have a uh, uh, a preview of my my next book that's due out in late May. Um, it's a follow up to How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. This one is. Um, similarly named how to think like a daily fantasy football winner and it focuses on the market aspect of uh daily fantasy sports and how that sort of changes the uh the psychological approach to the game um so that'll be out on roto academy uh probably uh, next week or the, or the week after and um i, I want to say uh, uh you know i can't believe it's been a, a year since uh, rich came on uh with with xn but uh uh He's a, a superstar uh, yes. in, in fantasy circles. I know he would never admit it, uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, he's everywhere. You've written for, for Rotoviz a couple times, right? Yeah, I've started dabbling over there. Uh, I told I told Frank Dupont, Mr. Fantasy Douche, that, you know, I want to start doing some more stuff over there. Those guys have things pretty lock and key on the draft right now, but I'll probably do some dabbling over there as yeah. well. That's a fantastic site. Yeah, and you and you've written uh, you you wrote some great stuff for Number Fire last year about yep. the Konami code and running quarterbacks. So, 
you, you've you've had a, an unbelievable year, and I'm 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 glad that you you got to uh, share all that uh, all that fantasy knowledge that. I was poaching for a while on on Twitter. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, it's it's the Denny Carter coaching tree. I'm really uh, I'm willing to, I'm willing to quit and just and just let you have the tweets again. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I, I'll take it. I'll take it. But no, yeah, uh, you guys have been uh, very supportive of me. Not to make a big hug fest, but you know, you guys have been there from day one. You know, pushing my stuff out there to some of the people that could that get it recognized. And I definitely am appreciative of that. And it's it's good to have good friends out here and the people that look out for each other. And you guys are two guys that definitely do this whole thing the right way. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Kumbaya, guys. Kumbaya. Yes. Boom. Uh, and I am I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can find me pretty much only at numberfire.com these days. Uh, over there, pumping out content constantly. Um, I'm not sure when we'll do the next podcast here, Denny, because I am uh, I'm moving, so that's gonna be fun. No. Does yeah, that mean, so- Does that mean we're gonna have to do the podcast in some different way, or no? Oh, I don't know. I hope not. Okay. Oh, well, you'll hope... be in a different time zone. No, I'll be in the same one. So I'm, I'm moving. Yeah. A- anyone who doesn't know this, I am moving to, uh, to Charlotte, North Carolina here in the next few weeks. So I'll be in and out, uh, in Twitter land for sure. And I usually don't tweet much on the weekends anyway, to be honest. But, uh, so yeah, that's happening. I'm pretty excited about that, but you can find me over at numberfire.com and on Twitter at late round QB. Uh, so that's it for living the stream this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. And and Denny, you want to go get some milkshakes and maybe drag Rich along? Yes, please. All right, let's do it. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for listening to Living the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out. 